this is a conspiracy. That's what this is. One big damn conspiracy! And everyone's in on it! I know what's going on. Did IQs just drop sharply while I was away? person is smart. People are dumb, panicky, dangerous animals, and you know it. Did you see the memo about this? Just when I think you couldn't possibly be any dumber, you go and do something like this. Don't you see what this means? Welcome back, everyone. Today, I have a collaboration episode for you all. A few months back, Julia over at the Cosmic Peach podcast reached out to me to see what I could dig up on the Hoover Dam. Naturally, as an Aussie, only had a tertiary understanding of the former Boulder Dam that we now know as the Hoover Dam. But as all of you know, I love deep diving into history of all things and all sorts of topics. But first, I need to brush up on my American history and research the Boulder Dam a little bit further. To truly appreciate the level of effort and ingenuity taken to build this colossus of modern day engineering. To help us out, I have a short clip for you to listen to. untold centuries, the turbid waters of the Colorado River battered their way through the forbidding canyons of its 1,700-mile course, traversing the arid southwest. For the most part, little known except to the native Indians and a few parties of intrepid explorers. Draining a vast region of mountain and desert, entering seven of the largest western states, it poured its waters southward into the Gulf of California, carrying into its delta a tremendous volume of silt and periodically overflowing the prosperous towns and rich agricultural districts near its mouth with devastating floods. From the time of its discovery, it remained a challenge to engineers who sought to control it, until the enactment in 1928 of the Boulder Canyon Project Act, authorizing the construction of Boulder Dam. In Black Canyon, where the Colorado River forms the boundary between Nevada and Arizona, in the very heart of the great desert of the southwest, the United States Department of the Interior, through its Bureau of Reclamation, was directed to proceed with the construction of this mightiest of dams. Highways were pushed across the desert. Railroad lines thrust their ribbons of steel through the sagebrush and cactus. And transmission lines for construction power were brought hundreds of miles across the heat-stricken wastelands of the southern Nevada desert. Every section of the country was called upon to contribute to the staggering quantity and wide diversity of materials required. Thousands of tons of steel, millions of barrels of cement, machinery, gasoline and oil by the thousands of gallons, tools, building materials, all these and much more were concentrated at the site of operations in an endless stream. So was this simply an endless stream of manpower and resources to build a hydroelectric plant? Or was there more nefarious reasons behind its design and construction? This is where Julia and I had to dig deeper, 
go below the surface and seek out the elusive and the unknown. The challenge was now set, to see if we could uncover the conspiratorial and the esoteric. Conspiracies that hadn't been spoken about before. After all, there's nothing new under the sun, right? Or is there? So join Julia and I as we deep dive the Hoover Dam, its construction, design, purpose, and much, much more. Take it away, Julia. All right, everyone. We have the one and only Drew Misson from Your Missing the Point podcast joining us. And uh, I felt like he was the only guest who could do this topic justice. And we've joined together for many episodes. And this one's going to be fire, as all of them have been so far. But before we get into it, Drew, how are you? Yeah, I'm good, Julia. I'm heading into our summer over here. It's still our autumn, but starting to heat up, which is, it's good for the plants. They're uh, starting to grow in and get a lot of fruits and everything come through, which is fantastic. So my little Mm -hmm. life outside of podcasting is going well, getting a lot of my crops in, and it's good to be more self-sufficient. Oh my gosh. I can't believe that it's it's starting to become summer for you. And I'm like breaking out my turtlenecks and <laughs> my my big heavy jackets. It's it's so interesting. And I I would love to get someone with the flat earth thing to come on and explain it to me. Like why the seasons are the way that they are. You know what I mean? Like on the flat yeah, earth model. It how does it it doesn't quite make sense, but it does if you think about concentric rings, maybe that way. But the seasons thing has always been a, a contentious issue that I don't think there's a 100% answer that can justify it on the flat earth model. No, I know, right? But before we tangent off into like a whole <laughs> nother, another episode, uh, I contacted you because I've had something on my mind lately that I really haven't, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I really haven't heard a lot of people talk about this subject. And it's the um, the Hoover Dam, but I believe that the Hoover Dam holds back more sinister things than just the force of the Colorado River. What what are you? What were your thoughts going into this? Um. The Hoover Dam's got a lot of surface level, almost like sandbox conspiracy theory around it. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what I, I went into knowing a little bit about it from an, an outside perspective. Like I think Americans probably got a bit more on it since it's in your own backyard. But I tried to connect it with a similar dam that's in Australia, the Snowy um, River Mountain Scheme, which is Australia's largest engineering feat. We don't have as many on-the-nose conspiracies around it, but I think it connects to the Hoover Dam on a bit more of an esoteric and spiritual level than than what a lot of other people would would assume. So I've got a few little notes about it. It's not enough to justify its own episode. I know we spoke about possibly doing the Hoover Dam and the Snowy River, but I think it complements this really well. So what I did find was pretty interesting, um, and it'd be I'm really keen to see what you saw over what what I investigated. I am interested in that, too, because we've talked a lot about how there are mountains, sacred mountains, and burial sites, that, like the mound builders, and there is naturally occurring places around the world that I feel could be portals to the fallen angel um, energy coming in and out, something like that, because all around the world, there are naturally formed archways in 
the rocks and in the mountains and you wonder how did this doorway get here or why is this archway here and then there's of course man-made archways and man-made what you would say is a doorway or a portal and on the surface it's just a dam but is it just a dam and when you look at the pictures of this place it just pops off right off the top to me as there's something more to this did you google image some of these pictures of of the hoover dam yeah this is the thing that i'm talking about that it has over our own dam complex is that you guys have got these really weird almost like nephilim statues all over this thing and it looks very um esoteric in some of the pillars and things that are there whereas the australian one is very much just a dam it's there as a hydroelectric generator but This one seems to be very rich in symbolism. Oh, totally. And I actually found it, and I'm going to talk to another guest about this in more detail, but you will never believe how this subject came into my uh, viewpoint was from an episode of Ghost Adventures. And um, the, the host of Ghost Adventures was asked to come to the Hoover Dam because it's so haunted, quote unquote. But we know that most of the hauntings are not really deceased workers that fell into the dam as it was being built. That it's actually probably channeling in some other type of energy there. And that's what people are misconstruing as being a haunting. But the interviews of the workers who work there say, oh, yeah, that we catch people all the time trying to do rituals up here. We catch people all the time um, making sacrifices and doing all this stuff at the Hoover Dam. Then you start adding the pieces up and you're like, "Okay, of course, there's something more to this. But. um, It's kind of like what you said in the beginning, though, people have speculated for decades that the Hoover Dam is a part of a much larger prophecy, actually, um, that signals the end of the world. I don't know if you read anything about that. Um, I actually, I've been deep diving a bit of the Quran lately, just trying to wrap my head around. I've read the Torah, I've read the Talmud, so I'm deep diving on what is considered the newest version of Abrahamic religion, right? Just trying to conceptualize Mm -hmm. their understanding of their faith and see what connections there are with Christianity and how it applies to today. There's actually a lot of links in the Quran with two dams and two dams being the prophecy for allowing the Nephilim or demons to enter our world. And I think the Hoover Dam is one of them. What do you think the other one is? I can't say. I think it's either going to be, it may not necessarily be a dam as we understand it, but a dam is something that holds back energy or like a spiritual dam. Yes. And I think that might be CERN. So I think there's a connection between CERN and, and the uh, Hoover Dam. Why did I just get chills when you said that? I mean, that's got to be it because when you look and we're going to get into it, but when you're looking at just the architecture that's present there, it's totally obvious to me that there was either an occultist who came up with the architecture or they put it there for a specific reason. And some of the conspiracy theories around the Hoover Dam are uh, about the bodies that are trapped inside the dam itself. Um, And they signal that this was some kind of like a sacrifice 
um, to welcome the coming of the Antichrist. You know, the, the amount of bodies, they say, that went into the Hoover Dam is actually kind of crazy. Yeah, it's anywhere between 96 and 112, I do believe. So the mm-hmm. urban legend goes that because the rate at which they had to constantly pour the concrete to keep it structurally sound, they couldn't do it in levels. They had to have it one solid piece. When they were pouring it so quickly, if anyone fell into it, they didn't have time to get them out, so they just kept pouring on top of them. Think about that. Yeah, they they say the same thing about our Snowy Hydro Dam, that when they were pouring that, similar things happened. And there's a, a bit of a saying in our country about it, that our Snowy Dam is called the Greco-Roman construct because so many um, Greek and Italian workers immigrated to Australia and put on that concreting job and X amount of them fell in, so it becomes the Greco-Roman construct because there's oh, the bodies of Greeks my. and Romans in there. Really? Out of all the ways to die, I've always said drowning, uh, like in deep, dark water, or being buried alive. And that is being buried alive, but to to the extreme of if you're buried alive in the ground, you can live for a little bit until you run out of oxygen, you're getting concrete poured on top of you. (laughs) Is there a worse way to die? And you're reaching for help and they're like, sorry, buddy, I'm, I gotta keep going. And they just keep pouring concrete on top of you. Like that is horrible. It's such a horrific thing to think about. And you have to think, are those people's spirits trapped within the walls of that concrete? Because we look mm-hmm. at what First Nations have to say about mountains and rocky outcrops, that they can, they contain the spirits of, say, elves or gnomes or all sorts of creatures that stone in itself has this capacity to hold spirits or demons or whatever you'd like to call it. Well, one of the major ingredients in concrete, in this country at least, is bluestone. And bluestone has a high quartz content in it. So it has a crystalline structure. And what do we know mm-hmm. from the esoteric? Things can be trapped within crystals. So have these poor bastards that are in these, um, the fallen in, have they had a chance to escape or are they perpetually trapped inside with their spirits? Their spirit is trapped inside the courts. Wow. So I guess that would, that would make sense for people saying that it's haunted in a sense, because 112, you know, some of them died from a shitty respiratory like disorders, pneumonia and, they said that it was uh, carbon monoxide poisoning, if I'm not mistaken, or something like that. Yeah, that was one of the surface level conspiracies I saw. It was more so a conspiracy around um, the health and safety of the project. They were ignoring and they, to this day, still ignore that there was carbon monoxide poisoning and where it came from. I'm, I'm, not, I'm actually not going to go with carbon monoxide poisoning. I think that was a cover for uh something else um i think it was a cursed project and so this this whole they they died of different in my one of the articles i read it just said died of different ailments including pneumonia but it wasn't like limited to pneumonia so people were just getting sick and dying trying to work there and i think it was uh actually a cursed project from the very beginning And if we're going to start at the beginning, I actually want to just for a moment talk about who the original inhabitants of this area, who they were, 
Um, did you find anything on that though before I start rattling off? I didn't find that. I wanted the American in the room to help educate me on who the First Nations were. <laughs> I, I deep dived the the local inhabitants of our Snowy River complex because it's actually one of my local tribes who I've got connections with. So I've got some information okay. on that. But I'd love to hear what you found on on the Native Americans and what significance that plays. Uh, so after I uh, kind of talked to you a little bit about uh, this region near the Hoover Dam, I'd love for you to share more about the the um, the natives close to your dam because I think it it could actually go hand in hand with the whole cursed thing because it was native land and um, the the town outside of the Hoover Dam. The land shows signs of human occupation as early as 8,000 BC, and history will tell you it was the ancient Pueblans, also known as the Anasazi. But I believe it probably goes back to a people even more ancient than the Pueblans because of the architecture in that area. So I have done... Uh, several episodes on these ancient structures and these ziggurats and the pyramids and all of these places. It cannot just be that an ancient people knew how to build all this stuff, then disappeared off the face of the planet, and no one's been able to recreate it since. I think that there was actually a more ancient um, race of peoples, including Nephilim-type beings, that helped build these structures and there are houses that are built in this area surrounding the Hoover Dam that have 20 to 100 rooms in them. And they're claiming that it's these hunter-gatherer, like, sticks and clay pots, uh, Pueblans or whatever, the Anasazi, that created all this. But there's no, there's no way. And they actually say uh this this town with all these ruins on it these 20 to 100 rooms and and just one building they call it the lost city um the pueblo grande nevada is called the lost city um because the occupants actually disappeared yeah i was about to say that the pueblo Pueblo indians and the anasazi are considered to be a cursed people by a lot of the modern tribes that they up and yes. disappeared overnight. A lot like what you would see with the Inca or the Omec in South America. Or, or like the Mayans. Or, yeah. or So this is the area where they're wanting to build this Hoover Dam. And it's just a few well, miles did they walk from... Through, did they walk through a natural portal, Julia? And is that why the dam I, is that's there? That's why you'd want to build a fucking dam there, right? Of course you'd want to build a dam there. But, okay, go on and tell me a little bit about your side of things. All right. um, I'll give you some context around the Snowy River and then the Aboriginal links. So the Snowy River Scheme, the Snowy River Mountain Scheme, as it's known by, or the Snowy Hydro, is a hydroelectric and irrigation complex in the southeast of Australia, near the border of New South Wales and Victoria, my home state. The scheme consists of 16 major dams, not just one, 16 nine power stations, two pumping stations, and 225 kilometres or 140 miles of tunnels, pipelines, and aqueducts that were constructed between 1949 and 74. The scheme was was completed under the supervision of a chief chief engineer, Sir William Hudson, uh, and is the largest project undertaken in Australian engineering feats. The water of the snow... Do you know uh, anything more about Chief Hudson? 
Um, I'm doing a bit of a deep dive on him at the moment, so I'll release that probably later on. So keep your okay. You got to update me later on Chief Chief Hudson. <laughs> uh, the the water of the Snowy River and some of its tri- um, riverways, much of which have formerly flowed into the river flats of East Gippsland, which is my region of Victoria, and then into Bass Strait are captured at high elevations. So it runs down and builds up speed and momentum. That's how they're harnessing the energy. This directly impacted the natural flora and the environment of my region of Australia. When settlers first arrived, this was entirely a, a floodplain, a swamp type of era. Soon as they put this in place and built it, they almost geoengineered the entire area. It became habitable mm. for crops, um, for cattle, which they couldn't do before. So it's almost like by doing this, they've changed the environment. Now, for Aboriginal people, the mountains are very old and an ongoing life force that strengthens the ancestral link of their people. They have a living spiritual connection with the mountains. They retain family stories and memories of the mountains, which makes them spiritually and culturally significant to them. The traditional owners that have links to the river, river Snowy River Mountain include the Gunnakurnai, my local mob, uh, the Monero Nagario, and the Bindawal people. The river is associated with systems and land significant to cultural values and includes functional and spiritual connectivity and pathways. In First Nations culture, we have a little thing called song lines. So song lines are almost like a pathway that supposedly only First Nations people, if they're trained and adept in it, can see it. It's like an imaginary line, like if you've ever seen the movie um, Dreamcatcher, you know how the guy mm-hmm. has the power and he can see the line? Yes. That's how Aboriginal people would track their way between nations and around the country. Supposedly, this dam is built on one of those pathways, one of those song lines. So it's like a ley line kind so, of. So it's kind of like a ley line. Like a spiritual ley line. Yes, that connects people from country to country. So this essentially has either put a a stop in the way of that song line or or it's blocking and harnessing the power from that song line, just as it harnesses the water in the dam. That's probably more likely they're harnessing that energy. Damn. That's crazy. And it, like I said before, they're invading this like sacred area. Yes. And it, like a big energy plant, they got to put it in these sacred, sacred areas. Absolutely. And within Victoria, um, we have what are water spirits known as bunyips. And bunyips were these devil spirits that would abduct women, use hypnotizing powers and eat them, all sorts of things. They were always seen by First Nations people throughout their 65,000-year history. They they tell them as they're real physical beings, they've killed them before. There's some association with settlers that saw them in the early 1800s. Then all of a sudden it stopped, almost as if by damming the snowy, it prevented water from flowing into their natural inhabitants. Like my entire area here, there are paddocks from paddocks that have deep billabongs, which used to be filled with water, in which these creatures would reside they used to live in so there's a natural demonic entity or evil spirit in aboriginal folklore that exists within waterways of my state and if that's been plugged mm. and stopped they're not getting the essential need that they have to dwell in their environment oh my gosh so there's always an underlining spiritual aspect to all of these projects and the location the people and you know, say what you will about folklore. I believe there's a little bit of truth in folklore. 
whether it's been uh, kind of dramatized over time or not, I don't think it's necessarily metaphorical. Like, well, there was a creature who lived and then it was abducting and there's probably some truth to that. And I think that, so kind of going on the same, these same lines, um, there's a, there's a nearby city next to the, the lost city and it's a uh, St. Thomas, Nevada. And was this a Mormon at- settlement? Yes. Think about, okay, wait till I tell you. It's totally fucked up. So um, St. Thomas, Nevada noticed that as the Hoover Dam began to rise, so did the waters of Lake Mead. So government officials supposedly told everyone that they had to evacuate the city in 1935. Um, And when construction of the Hoover Dam ended and Lake Mead had settled... The town of St. Thomas was 60 feet underwater and no one ever verified to make sure the entire town evacuated and most of the ruins of these ancient structures were also submerged. But fun fact, St. Thomas, as you were saying, was founded by Mormons and it was these same Mormons that actually go to the pyramids erected to Quetzalcoatl in Mexico and they walk them. So is that a coincidence? Well, there was a very big link in the early Mormon church and making connections with the Native American tribes. It's like they were going out and speaking with all the tribal leaders and the shamans, trying to find out all the esoteric knowledge they possibly could before they were wiped <sighs> out. So there was a Dude. lawyer, as a lawyer, and ironically, I think his surname was Thomas, and he was a Mormon lawyer. And he actually advocated for the rights of First Nations peoples, but I don't think it was as one-sided and thrill- and um, empathetic as he makes out. I think he was trying to get the inside knowledge and the, the Gnostic type of understanding of what was going on with them. I think so, too, which we were just talking about the Anasazi and the Mayans and the, these people who disappeared. And this Mormon... I don't know what you would call it. Settlement wants to be right next to the lost city where these native American people just up and disappeared. And they're the same ones that go to where fucking the pyramids in Cholula, Mexico and freaking they walk those pyramids. And I'm pretty sure the Aztecs and people talk shit about me for bringing this up, but the Aztecs, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, eventually um, kind of just assumed the structures that were already existing there as their own, but they didn't actually build those structures that are there. They just kind of took credit for them later, the the big pyramids and, and all of that. But yeah, they just uh, moved I, in I and think took over. Right. I think that that is connected because there was a more ancient people like the Anasazi that built the lost city. And uh, the Mormons want to be around this. And somehow we end up building a huge power plant around them. So it has to be connected. Yeah, it's the idea that not only is it going into a place that has significant reverence for First Nations people, potentially is an energetic um, ley line area or uh, culturally um, and spiritually significant place that they may be tapping into. But you need to think about the context of water in itself. And I'll I'll go through this mm-hmm. if you don't mind. The act of damming yeah. a major river or waterway in itself is about generating po- power. 
So it's hydroelectric through the act of damming a river and letting the water run through. That's an act of generating power. We know that. That's the science behind it. But it goes a little bit further. This doesn't only occur in hydroelectric. It happens in steam. So we saw it in the older technology of steam generators. We see it in um, coal-fired plants with the steam stacks. That's how it generates power. It's still water that's being used. And then we look at what the, the concepts for water generation and heavy water are. Like how many times do we hear about the Nazis had cars that would run on water and there's people yeah. in America who have been uh, suicided for their cars that run on water. So water in itself <laughs> isn't just a life-sustaining force. It's an energetic force that can be harnessed. So harnessing the power of nature and subduing it through technological and scientific prowess seems to be in line with the satanic agenda. It's that Gnostic view of having all the knowledge to use everything in this realm to your benefit. But it gets a little bit more esoteric than that. Water in many ways, as I said, is a life force. Without it, every living thing on this planet would die. It not only generates power through hydroelectric, but it generates life through the way we grow our crops and we quench our thirst. Look at species of desert fish, frogs, and other creatures that bury themselves in the mud or their eggs during the drying season. What happens when it rains? It brings these things back to life. Water is the Mm -hmm. catalyst for life with these things. Now, if we go into the metaphysical side of this, if you look at biblical scriptures, some angels were given dominion over certain elements, the air, the water, the earth, and fire. Gabriel, the archangel, he oversees the element of water. And water is a symbol of clarity, purity, and receptiveness to God's message. So if we think about this as a satanic agenda and the inversion, they would want to use one of his most powerful elements for their own purposes. Now, if one angel can inhabit the realm of water or have dominion over it, how many fallen angels are a part of that? Mm. Not are they only trapped within the earth, as a lot of uh, the fallen are supposedly kept in. They are trapped below water. There's supposedly three specific fallen angels that are below the Euphrates that can't get out until it dries out. Maybe the same can be said for the water that's in the the Hoover Dam, or it's just an energy source for these things. I hear that the Euphrates drying up is, is, you know, one of the go time prophecies, but you know, the Hoover Dam is in a drought right now as well. So it's just, it's mind blowing to me how it, it really is kind of fulfilling a prophecy, if you will. And damning the water like that is like, it's damning your, the spiritual connection that we had and, it's crazy because this Lake Mead, um, with this drought that's coming in, when the waters started receding, they actually found, um, like bodies, like human remains all over the place. And, um, let me see. I wrote something about it here. So this is this area around Lake Mead where they found all these bodies now that the water is kind of receding. They claim this area is haunted too and that it's energetically charged from the Hoover Dam and it's led to uh, sightings of shape-shifting creatures all up and down Lake Mead. And um, even the park rangers are saying they won't work at night around Lake Mead because they're seeing... Things that look like people that change into animal form. And what have we said so many fucking times about these shape-shifting creatures? And, like, 
fallen angels have shape-shifting capabilities. These demonic beings have shape-shifting capabilities. But also, as you were saying, if Gabriel has dominion over the water and there is an opposing um, evil entity that has some type of connection to water and they've built this place in a sacred area, who's to say that they're not like running rampant in this area? Well, it would become an shifters, demons. I mean, it would become like a homing beacon for like the other world, wouldn't it? Because we've got this significance yeah. of the First Nations people, their natural energies and things that they believe. That's why it's significant. On top of that, all the natural energy that would come from water flowing through that place would be dissipated over hundreds of thousands of miles. By damming mm-hmm. it, you're concentrating all that energy to one centralized source. So it's a double up of energy. You've got the traditional energies and the energies from nature in itself of the, the of the water building up. So it would be like mm-hmm. a beacon, like a, a lamp attracting a moth to a flame type of an idea. Oh my God, you're so right. It's a it's a home base. That's that makes so much sense. Um and there are actually railroad tunnels that were used when the dam was being constructed that people can go and explore, but they all have very interesting names. They've named these tunnels and they all, they all have names like devil's cove. And I mean, can we, I mean, it's so <laughs> obvious to me, but so in this area, there are documented reports from the National Park Service of a guy that was living in a tent or a hut or something, and he had all these occult symbols drawn all over his tent, and he would just walk around speaking in other languages, and his eyes were totally blacked out. It was the scariest shit ever, I guess, and um, he was actually killed because he attacked a park ranger with a knife. And he was living in this area next to this Devil's Cove tunnel, which, again, I feel like it it almost draws those type of people in. If you're already kind of mentally not there and uh, you're susceptible to to being under control of one of these energies, of course, you, you would set your tent up over next to the devil's cove and freaking try to stab somebody and shit that and this is a real story i i'm not just oh they think there was a homeless there is a legitimate homeless guy that was mumbling in other languages drawing occult symbols all over his tent trying to stab a motherfucker is it related probably in that connection have you heard of matthew wright Today, authorities in Nevada say a man barricaded himself in an armored vehicle near the Hoover Dam Bridge this afternoon, demanding President Trump release reports. Reports about what? He did not say. Uh, Troopers say he was armed with a rifle and stopped traffic for about 90 minutes. Uh, That was long enough to evacuate tourists at the Hoover Dam. Uh, Troopers say he then drove into Arizona and was arrested after a semi-truck blocked the road. Mm -mm. So Matthew Wright was a, a QAnon follower. Um, and I believe it was in 2019, he kind of went off the reservation, like the advent of COVID and people deep diving. Mm. I think he went down a rabbit hole a little bit too deep and kind of smushed his own brains with all the information he was getting. Um, he was a self-motivated conspiracy theorist, air quotes. He blocked the QAnon dam with his own self-made armoured vehicle and was guilty of making terrorist threats. Now, supposedly... 
he thought that that place, the Hoover Dam, was used for demonic entities as a portal. And he was charged, and I think he faced something like 10 years with a felony crimes, terrorism, um, and he was it's- facing someone to its a decade or two decades in prison for doing that. You're kidding me. No. So this guy, through his research, felt pretty adamant that he had to do something about it to the point where he armoured his car, got all his weapons, and went to Hoover Dam to try and do something about it. Are you serious? And there you go. He pleaded guilty for terrorism charges as well and felony crimes. So he went into, he took the conspiracy too far. Because yeah. I'm not driving in an armored vehicle anywhere and blocking off anything because I love my life. <laughs> but he went and dove too far down the rabbit hole on some shit and he was probably already mentally unstable. Yeah. But it, it, it doesn't surprise me that he would have felt so strongly about it, to uh-huh. be honest with you. Like some of the stuff that I've found, I'm like, geez, like why is it more why aren't more people talking about it? I really have not heard a podcaster cover it before. I think it's very almost early 90s conspiracy theory, and it tends to go through waves. People talk spoke about it a lot back then. A little bit maybe came up during COVID, which this guy hooked onto. But at the moment, I can't get the vision out of my head of you, Julia, in a peach-coloured killdozer driving up to the Hoover Dam. <laughs> With a fucking sign. This is demonic. This is demonic. <laughs> Yeah, right. No. But I think there's a lot to be said about how if you're mentally unstable, you can go to the dark side with conspiracy like that. I enjoy bringing it to everyone's attention, but I think it's on such a massive scale and and it's all governmenty and all there nobody's going to stop anything from happening. They've already been doing it for fucking decades. Why, like, you think you're going to go in an armored car and stop decades worth of, you know, if you go on Reddit and you look up Hoover Dam, they're talking about harvesting adrenochrome in the tunnels beneath the Hoover Dam. They're talking about sacrifices going on at the Hoover Dam. I don't have proof of it, but it wouldn't surprise me. What I do have proof of, though, is the ritualistic nature of the placement of it, the timing of it, events that occurred before and after it, the architecture, those are things that I can solidify and tell you, yes, that's so cult in nature. Yeah, I tend to agree. It's how far do you take on board the theories of this? And I think the problem that critical thinkers, as we like to call ourselves, is sometimes we latch onto something without actually thinking critically about it. We like the way it presents information to us. It ticks a lot of conspiracy boxes for us. But until we look at it critically ourselves, sometimes we can just run away with things. When the most Mm. obvious part is the architecture on this. The architecture in itself, it could just be the symbolism is there to harness our our loosh, our energy. And that's all it Mm -hmm. could be. But people, people run down the whole idea that they're, they're selling children underneath in the tunnels and, you know, there's reptilians that live under there. You can go to an extreme with this, but sometimes mm-hmm. it can be more nefarious just being very subtle and in your face. Yeah, and I I think that what what the real problem for me is if this thing ever breaks for any reason, I think that that in itself is actually signaling prophecy 
And I think it's more it's more prophetic that they built it in this way, in these conditions, and what may happen in the future, rather than something that's happening right now, if that makes sense. Well, there's a shelf life on concrete. People think concrete is this wonderful building um, resource that will last forever, but you only have to look at as something as small as a footpath and realize that over time with rain, with traffic, it degrades over time. A concrete barrier to one of the strongest natural flows of um, energy being water, one of the strongest elements there is, it's not going to last forever if it's not maintained perfectly. And we know through just governments in themselves, they waste money, they're not very good Mm -hmm. at their job. This dam at some point is going to have a catastrophic failure. And will that failure manifest something coming into this world that's where you get into the into the weeds on this one that's where i'm at that's exactly where i'm at it's not so much what's going on in there now Ooh, there's reptilians of it i'm more concerned about if this thing has a catastrophic failure as you were mentioning what will be going on in the world at the time and what will that usher into the world because um there's there's just a lot of stuff i was gonna bring up something else here so the town that they were supposed to evacuate uh i found this guy his name is dennis mcbride he's a former director of the nevada state museum and he is a writer and historian and he said the government knew that the waters were going to rise and flood and have an impact on an entire population when the lake rose by the Hoover Dam, they did nothing to prevent casualties. And then another doctor, his name is Dr. Travis Heggie, said uh, Lake Mead is, quote, the lake of death. And he's seen 2,000 deaths, not to mention the workers who died constructing the Hoover Dam. And there's a lot of homicides, suicides, accidents, to say the least, in this cursed lake area and it's at unheard levels though i never hear anybody talking about that no i've seen um just through my research a lot of articles of people using that as a place to commit suicide on and it's naturally Mm -hmm. a very high place you throw yourself off it you're not going to survive um but think about like what you said are things and people drawn to this if people have let their guard down spiritually and they are having suicidal thoughts, are they being drawn there beyond the idea of throwing themselves off it? Is it like a beacon for them and their bad energy? Mm-hmm. And that's, I guess, why they, they say that it's cursed beyond cursed. The land was cursed with these people who disappeared and then they flooded an entire city And a lot of people didn't even make it out. There were a lot of casualties when Lake Mead rose and submerged an entire city. A lot of casualties there. That's death. People committing suicide. People getting murdered. People jumping off the motherfucker. People who died during the construction. And so this cursed energy, I believe, is by design in a way. Just as you're saying that, I'm just thinking to myself, I wonder what the Schumann resonance is at that particular point. Ooh, wouldn't we like to know? I have to pop that down to look into later. I think you're right. There's there's something going on there beyond the placement, beyond the symbolism. There's definitely an outside energy 
manifesting and drawing to this one centralized location. I've got mm-hmm. some research about CERN and Hoover Dam in particular. I think this individual who tried to stop it with his armored vehicle came across, if you'd like to hear that. Oh, I'd love to hear it. it right. It'll probably go along with some other stuff that I found too, and then we can kind of tangent. Yeah, awesome. Um, so this theory proposes that the Hoover Dam will be used in conjunction with CERN, the Hadron Collider, to open up a wormhole in which demons will invade Earth. Now, it's very interesting that they say within this particular theory from the planet Saturn. So mm-hmm. they, in this theory, it believes that there are planets that are inhabited by other entities. Um, but in the links with the Quran, which I'll talk about later, it could be construed as either heavens, realms, dimensions, or planets. But we'll interchange them and just pretend that it's a different place. So mm-hmm. the theory points out that in the Quran, it also suggests that the wormhole would usher in Gog and Magog, who will invade the earth and wreak havoc. Um, this theory points out the references of pop culture, as well as the statue of Shiva, the goddess destruction outside the CERN building, who, interestingly enough, isn't in her destruction form. She's in her dancing form, which is actually a manifestation of energy. So CERN is this place mm-hmm. that tries to recreate the Big Bang, but is harnessing the energy from it. Now, they don't talk about that side of it. They say it takes all this energy and all this power to run it, to create that um, collision, but it doesn't talk mm-hmm. about the energy it creates and where they're storing it. So if the true role of CERN is to not really recreate the conditions of the Big Bang, it's actually to engineer a huge electromagnetic bomb in the form of the CERN dome in which it will be used which will be used over the Hoover Dam to open up a portal. The particular... Damn. The particularity of the Hoover Dam is that it's not only produces electricity, it can also store huge amounts of energy. This combined with the CERN bomb, so that huge creation of power, would open up a dimensional portal. The stored electricity would be released into the waters of Hoover Dam because it would dissipate and spread out. And then the CERN bomb will touch the water and completely electrify it, which would provoke a huge electro electromagnetic reaction, which will open a dimensional portal. The portal said to be one of two entry ports, ports, wormholes, which one on either side of Saturn, which would explain the cult of Saturn, always referring to Saturn as having two pop, the two um, dimensional poles. Um, this is said to be a base for the Nephilim, Gog and Magog, and the portal is called the bottomless pit because when it is opened, there'll be so many demons coming from it, it would seem endless. And that's that's mirrored in Quran when um, they talk about Gog and Magog and how Muhammad himself, if you read the scriptures through a modern day lens, um, Muhammad actually used portals to travel around the world himself. So they exist. Oh my God. Isn't Gog and Magog mentioned in biblical scriptures as well? so, So in Christian scriptures, this is where I've come from. Gog and Magog to me represents... Gog would be the leader and Mog- Magog would be his people. Now, Westerners in the modern world have interpreted Gog and Magog being the Middle East. So people are saying that what's happening in the Middle East now is a war between Gog and Magog. But when you look at the Quran, it, it almost extends on it. It has a bit more detail. Gog and Magog are people or entities that do not speak our tongue. So naturally, we've kind of assumed that as being foreigners or the Arabic people. Now, Gog and Magog very well could be extraterrestrial beings, interdimensional beings, or the Nephilim trapped in another realm. If you're going off that, I idea. 
I actually spoke with Gary Wayne, who wrote the Genesis 6 conspiracy, and he believes that Gog and Magog were hybrid Nephilim-type beings um, that had a race of people. Yeah, and that's what that's so, what the uh, that's what the Quran seems to emphasize as well. They're not actually people of Earth; they're people of another heaven, as they quote it. Oh, come on! So the Quran actually has Damn. a lot to do uh, has a lot of links with what you consider Mormonism and Jehovah's Witnesses. They have seven heavens. There's more than just Earth, and all those heavens are inhabited by animals and beings. Uh-huh. Now, if you replace heavens with dimensions. Mm-hmm. or realms, you take away the planet side of things, there are still entities coming from somewhere else into our place of living. Like like Dante's Inferno type yes. of, there's seven levels of heavens and mm-hmm. seven levels of hells or, or so they're, they're more or less referencing which level of heaven or which level of hell these beings are going to exactly. come from. Exactly. That's crazy. <laughs> Damn, it's like, so they're trying to open this wormhole to, like, let the seventh level motherfuckers come up out of there. Damn. And then, like, the surface level ones could be, like, the first level of hell or the first level of heaven, however you want to look at it. These are the beings that they see shape-shifting and walking amongst them. And so, wow. Yeah, it depends on your level of perspective. Now, this is a passage from the Quran. Allah is the one who created seven heavens from the earth like them. Allah's command descends among the heavens and the earths so that you make you may know that Allah is capable of anything and that Allah knows everything. In Islam, Earth is not a unique planet. Other planets like Earth do not exist, um, do exist throughout the universe. Um, and the Quran actually mentions, like I said, they have life forms living on them. But they would say it as heavens. Now, heavens, Earth. Dimensions, whatever. Mm-hmm. Yes. I oh wow that is very interesting. So this Gog and Magog thing is tied to the Hoover Dam. Yes, so in the Quran it actually specifies that Gog and Magog will return to the earth through dams. There was a mistranslation in the Quran where they say it's mountains and we know mountains are significant in their first place. Um Yep. A lot of mountains do hold dams anyway because that's where a lot of rivers throw, flow through to dam them up. But the translational area is that actually means dams. So if there are two dams, one of them being the Hoover, second one potentially being CERN because it's storing energy and damming it up, Gog and That's Magog we're getting. Okay. will return to Earth through two dams. Now, if they're generating enough energy, like this theory suggests, they could be used to open up a portal to another realm, another dimension, another planet even, according to some people, to allow these entities to come through. That so, of course, people would think it would have to be at some other dam somewhere in the world, but it could really be a spiritual dam and then the water dam. And there was something that I found about like they had this projection of a goat head or something symbolizing Baphomet. They tried to say it was a car company or something yeah, a, like was, that. Was it a German, um, a German soccer team and their sponsor was a goat? That was something to that yeah. effect it was yeah. like a company a, a team or something that had like this this why the hoover dam by the way would you want to project that onto and the it just 
you know, when you say it's too much to be a coincidence, you're you're projecting this big goat head on the side of the Hoover Dam. And the Hoover I Dam's are quite out of the way. It's not like you're going to see it from a major town. see it. What sense would that make? Like, if I was going to project my Cosmic Peach logo so many people <laughs> in the world could see I'm going to go to fucking Vegas and I'm going to put, put it on that holographic ball thing that they made and it's going to be like Cosmic Peach Podcast and have my a picture of my fucking face on. I'm not going to go to the Hoover Dam that nobody is ever going to see and project a fucking... That's so stupid. Just hop out of your souped up reinforced peach colored tank and then project it with a little projector on there that just sounds like a great promotion for the show by the way (laughs) (laughs) think about it um so i did want to describe for the listeners the permeating endorsement of the occult uh that's seen all over the hoover dam um and we were talking a little bit about the structures and so forth and i actually found an article where a girl was talking about it and she wrote all this stuff about it and i was you know i'm not too far away from it. i'm a few states over but i've never been so i wanted to see pictures and i wanted to hear what this girl saw while she was visiting and she says that there are garbled green fallen angel statues with angry faces and vertical wings pointing skyward Right off the top, uh, red flag for me. Red flag on the play. Garbled green fallen angel statues? Why is that appropriate? It doesn't even fit. Like, why not have mermaids or something water-related kind of statues? You have fallen angel statues. It makes me wonder who the architect was for this that had the the outlay of the design beyond the structural engineering because there'd be the engineering component of the architect and then an architect which would have those those extra amenities added to it. It makes me wonder what the connection of that person is and who they are. Oh, wait till we get there. <laughs> <laughs> um, so right under these fallen angel statues, there's uh, on the plaza floor is a celestial map that marks the time of the dam's creation based on the 25,772-year axle procession of the Earth. Did you find that? I didn't say that, no. I've, oh. probably, I've looked at, the, probably I've seen the images of it, but I didn't know that's what it meant. That's what it is. It's like the star map of the exact moment the construction was completed, etched in stone, right beneath the fallen angel statues uh so then there is a staff that stretches skyward with a golden orb attached to it symbolizing the sun's location on the day of the dam's completion and it's like you said this is like the beacon point this golden statue of the sun on the day that it was erected or whatever and um there's this kind of like art deco ornamentation uh or style at the hoover dam it's very geometrical and in my opinion it could easily function as summoning circles or other demonic symbology just with the layout and the um geometrical shapes that are present 
there are elevators that descend into the belly of the dam, but they closed them for COVID. And when she went to take this tour, this girl who wrote the article, she said that they still haven't opened them back up. So, dun, dun, dun. (laughs) But uh, some have pointed out that the Hoover Dam itself makes a pretty good visual match with the images of the throne of Satan. And there is also a statue that makes a visual match with uh, Baphomet. Did you find anything on this? I saw it. Like, this is the surface type of level stuff I was talking about. The symbolism Mm -hmm. is so far out in your face that people have kind of forgotten about it or don't recognize the relevance of it anymore because it's just there. Like, oh, that's right. an odd that's an odd choice of design and they kind of skim mm-hmm. over it. But what you're talking about is that staff with the golden orb on top symbolizing the position of the sun. Now, is that the beacon or is that also a representation of the light bringer and who it belongs to? Oh, very interesting. If it is a representation of his of his um, throne, physically mm. the way it's built, does it emphasize that his signature on it, like this is mine. And the, the statues themselves are so ornate in style. It's a dam, Drew. Yeah. It's a fucking dam. Yeah, Why are al- they taking the time? It's almost like um, Vatican level architecture on a dam. A, a fucking dam. In the middle of nowhere. It's not like a dam that's attached to a major city that's, you could understand no. why they have so much artistic flair on it. Right. It's just a fucking dam. And they're putting all this effort into it. So that's what prompted me to look into the architect for the statues and so forth, the celestial map, because, yeah, we get it. A bunch of people died while they were creating the fucking thing. I'm sure that's not an accident. But the guy who created these structures, who is he? His name is Oscar J.W. Hansen, and he is the artist responsible for the structures and the celestial zodiac map and he included markings on the floor showing thuban t-h-u-b-a-n and that struck me as interesting because it's the north star for the ancient egyptians at the time the great pyramids were erected it's a fucking dam in the middle of nowhere, and he's putting a fucking star on it. That's this North Star for the ancient Egyptians at the time of the Great Pyramids. Why? Well, the theory behind the Great Pyramids is that they were actually used as um, power plants, so they stored energy and supposedly shot that energy through into the sky towards those stars. Who would know that? Who would exactly. know that other than a fucking occultist? Exactly. Who would know that? I just okay. a, a person who has a hobby of you know, Egyptology and just wanted to put a little spice into their design. That's all. <laughs> right. It's an Easter um, egg for people to spot. <laughs> well, for those who have the eyes to see, no. Who else would know that that was that was significant to ancient Egyptian culture? I mean, people, the average Joe taking the Hoover Dam tour is not like, oh, is that Thuban? <laughs> <laughs> They're not going to give a shit. They're not going to know. So, um, just digging into this creepo a little bit more, Oscar J. W. Hansen was born in the remote Arctic Circle village of. 
Ascons, Norway, to an unwed mother named Josephine. And Oscar's paternity is a major mystery because he claims his father is secretly Oscar II, the king of Norway and Sweden. That's no small relation. But... So Oscar's mother gives up custody of him at a young age, and he is raised by a foster family. And Oscar claimed that as a young boy, he and his friends would steal a sailboat in the middle of the night and sail out to a remote ocean island where they claimed to have discovered hundreds of Viking burial mounds full of artifacts. Why is it that the, all these bastard children of elites, whether it's politicians or royals, um, they always seem to, even if they're adopted out and they lose all contact with the family name and everything, they seem to land on their feet and get very prestigious jobs. Think about that. And his the 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 architecture that he made not only at the Hoover Dam suggests that maybe he found old pops and he clued him in on some shit. Gave him a crash or course maybe in the occult. Was was giving him money or something. And um he also uh as a, a, a young man traveled to New York and joined the US Army. So after he was in the army, blah, 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 he wanted to become a minister of a church, but he ended up going totally left and he did not become a minister of a church. He actually cheated on every wife he ever had, was a complete fucking scumbag and ended up making all this occult architecture, but ends up befriending the Nobel Prize winner, Albert Michelson, who is the discoverer of the speed of light. And this fucking guy served as his best man at his second marriage. Do you know how significant that is? Like, oh, the discoverer of the speed of light is my best man. And I have all this occult ass architecture at the Hoover Dam. My dad might have been the king of uh, Norway and Sweden. And I like to hang out at Viking burial mounds and dig up artifacts. Who the fuck are you, guy? It just goes in line with all these major influential people within science, academia. If they've got mm-hmm. a connection, it goes much further than their actual acts or their achievements. There always seems to be a connection behind the scenes that's either feeding them information, funds, like you said. This guy was, I think he was placed there as the architect for this. He wasn't oh, just hired, he was too. placed there. I do too. And he goes on to live a relatively occult type lifestyle and goes on carving fallen angel statues and obelisks and, you know, X, Y, Z. But in my opinion, just based on the the little tidbits that he left for people, the Zodiac celestial star map and the North Star for ancient Egypt and, and so forth, he's definitely illuminated, if you know what I'm saying. So, I don't know if you, sorry, had any more about, like, what your thoughts were when you looked at the pictures of Hoover or if you wanted to go on to something else about it. But 
just knowing more about the artist himself has got me all the way turned up. Yes, this is by design. It screamed over-the-top architecture and over-the-top design. Like, in comparison to the Snowy River one, Snowy River one is just very much straight lines, 45 degrees, box-shaped construction, built for a purpose, built just to harness energy. Not only is the Hoover Dam harness energy through the hydroelectric dam of itself, it has a different level of meaning behind it. And that meaning happens in that design with the fallen angel symb- symbology, the the star maps. It's almost like it's encoding a specific time and place for a reason. And mm-hmm. why, why, why would you encode a starting point? You would encode a starting point so you can count on from there. My thinking mm-hmm. is that if you have a starting point, you can count on to the end time or the time in which it opens. Like, what is the yes. time frame in which this portal, this gateway opens and allows entities to come through? Otherwise, mm-hmm. you wouldn't put a specific date on it because that date in stone cannot be lost. It's not like you can, the internet we've wiped out, it's there, it's physical, it's in stone, it's there for people to see who are trained to see it. Yes. And, you know, FDR is the one who put this whole shitter into motion. And we, I'm not even going to get into all that. Like people know about FDR at this point. I'm sure it is called the Hoover Dam. And Hoover was a Mason. Do you have anything on Hoover? I think that the majority of our listeners know enough about J. Edgar Hoover. Um, yeah, dude. And ah. he was a fucking, he was a Mason and he was a 33 degree master Mason. You can Google it. Actually, if you Google it, it that's like the first thing that pops up is that he was, um, it'll actually give you the, the, what do they call them? Where they, they take their vows and do all that. It was like, he was, I can Google it maybe. His right of initiation. Yes, but they they even tell you where it happened at. So I'm going to make a bit of a wild speculation here. We know that there was a a town at the bottom of the Hoover Dam now, which was a Mormon one. There is a Mormon connection with the Freemasons that that um, the creator of the Mormon Church was a initiated 33 degree Mason himself, or was allowed to become one without doing so because he had such insight knowledge. Now. Is it an mm-hmm. idea of that the Mormons tried to harness the energy in that town? They failed. And the Freemasons who were connected to them had to put something else in play. Maybe they had to use the water to cover something up that they weren't ready for. It and could maybe be the Native Americans disappeared because they were messing with something they shouldn't have been. I think it has to be kind of like a combination of everything or or it's like... They they maybe have the dam as a symbolic uh, structure and it's going to serve as a part of the end-time prophecy or maybe they were just using it to cover something else up. But even just the name of it itself being Hoover, I just found it right here. It says Hoover uh, was a dedicated mason and received a variety of honors from the fraternity. In 1955, Hoover was coronated a 33-degree mason by the ancient accepted Scottish Rite Southern Masonic Jurisdiction of the United States. 
That is the fr- this is Google. I mean, people can literally Google this shit. And I'm telling you, there's so much to this. And um, if I was going to build a dam of this magnificence that was going to change history forever, why would I not name it after myself? He's naming it after the person who's pulling the strings. And that would be the ultimate sign of loyalty, wouldn't it? My opinion. Exactly. Yes. If I was going to build something to this degree, why, oh, why would I not name it the the Julia Nevada Dam or whatever? Julia Crossing Dam. It's called the Hoover Dam. And, I mean... It's approximately 150 miles from the apparent site of the Area 51 crash. <laughs> so, <laughs> Which then ties into Jack Parsons and the Babylon working ritual. So it's clearly a place that's high energetic place that's almost like a, there's a thin veil between realms in that generalized area. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because they're trying to channel shit in. Did you ever see this thing about if you fold a $50 bill in the shape of a pentagram, it shows the Hoover Dam and four obelisks around it? I saw this, and clearly I can't do it because I don't have the currency here, but have you got a $50 note on you to fold right now? Like most people my age, I only ever carry my debit card around. But (laughs) I am so interested. Hey, if one of the listeners out there right now has a $50 bill on them, I want you to... Fold it it in the shape of a pentagram. Tag us on Instagram. We need to see it. Yes, I want to see it. And so they conspiracy theorists believe that it indicates that the dam will be destroyed, possibly in some sort of false flag operation. Um, And then I found some more stuff about the, the Gog and Magog thing, but I don't have a $50 bill on me to check this out but if that's true that is also significant because there is this whole five pointed star thing going on with the hoover dam and i saw somebody else write a whole thing about this five pointed star that's supposed to be like a pentagram thing um and that that was not a coincidence did you see that i saw just like the overall symbolism of it and we know what that five pointed star represents the question is, is it there just in our face or does that actually serve a purpose beyond just like gaslighting the average person and revealing to the adept? Like a summoning circle. Yes. It's like a summoning circle. I actually saw this lunatic, probably the lunatic that went in his armored car and blocked the fucking road off, wrote an article or a website, if you will, and it was lunatic ramblings of the Hoover Dam. And some of the points that they made I thought were interesting, okay? And within every lunatic is a little bit of a theologian. So I took the parts that made the most sense out of the ramblings, and I wanted to read them to you. And I don't want to take credit for this because I just found it interesting because... We're just theorizing stuff, but it said that the Hoover Dam is literally symbolizing a womb, could represent the serpent, the sacrifice, the birthing shape of the womb, waters poured out versus waters 
abode. And uh, it does look like a womb, a pregnant belly of sorts. And then it has the waters pouring out. And there is this overpass or archway or bridge that is kind of near it. And the general shape of it is kind of womb-like. I don't know how you feel about that. It could do because then it's it's almost inverting like it's an inversion of divine creation. Like where humans are given the ability to procreate by God, right? That's why why women they bear mm-hmm. the seed and they that's the ultimate gift God gives having having a child. Now, what's being birthed from that? Yeah, it's, that's, it's that's rep- what I was thinking. If it's too. symbolic of a womb. Wombs generally create life. To? What is it creating? Hmm. And then this this psychopath, um, I'm not going to call him a psychopath. I'm just going to say they were very passionate about their thoughts, and they wrote everything in caps. I don't know. So if he's yelling see. the whole thing. Yeah, right. he's yelling the whole thing. Um, and it said that the uh, bridge that that I was mentioning, the archway, if you will, is the rainbow bridge. And there is a rainbow serpent that has seven colors and there is seven. uh, The seven is the number of the great mystery of the biblical revelation. I don't know what that's supposed to mean. Um, The the rainbow serpent significant to Aboriginal Australian folklore. The rainbow serpent is what created the lands and the people. So it's a creative God. So shit, he's talking about that the Hoover's got something going on with this rainbow serpent. Does it have se- the rainbow serpent has seven colors and it's sig- yeah, spiritually it's a- significant yeah. and mm-hmm. crazy. So maybe he just didn't know how to turn his cap walks off and maybe he's <laughs> just a, a normal dude. But it says, and why is the sun disc slash sundial at the Hoover Dam star chart sit on the 33rd degree line of earth known as the meridian interesting sacred i didn't know that and it says do you remember what the 33 stands for it it is the master number it is the number of the lord when jesus began to teach and hoover was a 33 degree master mason um 33 the 33rd level of Freemasonry symbolizes universal consciousness and is the number of miles away the sun is from Earth. So I don't, I don't know if I, if I believe in the whole sun being 33 million bedillion miles away from Earth, but I do believe in the Master Mason stuff. And it says... The thirty three, the thirty third meridian line in which the Hoover Dam is placed at is where the Earth's magnetic energy field is aligned with the thirty third line in all humans, which is your chakras. And there are thirty three statues of Mithra in Rome. So he's just harping on and on about this thirty three stuff. 
I didn't know that that it was placed on the 33rd meridian, though. And again, we were saying all this stuff about how the area had to be sacrificial or something. And it's on a ley line, I guess. I'm going to throw out one last bit of symbolism that isn't very obvious. And I only got this through looking at the way that the Quran talks about portals that you travel by and how they describe an actual word, shell. So if you look at the, the the Hoover Dam itself, the part which is actually damming it comes out in a curve and comes back down, like you would see, oh, if you can quite see it, one like of those types of shells. Like a mermaid shell. Like a mermaid shell, right? Now, portals wow. supposedly operate like a shell as well. They run via a spiral. And it's quite interesting in the Quran that it mentions... Um, that God, Allah, their vision of God, Allah gave transportation to the angels throughout the universe. The Quran calls them Marish. These are used not only by angels, but at one point um, their prophet used it to travel around the world or within his region of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, Muslims also believe these aren't strictly for the use of angels than other entities use them themselves. So Gog and Magog use these portals as well. Now, Here's a, a specific part of the Quran. They came from beyond the two dams that the human called Tuala al He built two iron domes, one at each end of the mirage, and the ends of the mirage look like two shells, which is the exact modern description of how science describes a wormhole. And what do we see in this dam? It's a shell shape. So that could be one end mm-hmm. of the marish. Oh, my God. Now, if we find out where that second one is, that could be mm. the two ends in which the Gog and Magog enter the world. So according to the Quran or the Islamic end times, Gog and Magog come out of these portals, one on each end of the world. They create havoc. They destroy things. No weapon on man can stop them. Man has to just roll over and take it, has to hide, has to run has to say true to Allah or God in their in their belief. And the only thing that stops it is the second coming in which they are all washed away. Yes. So that's the thing is I was saying um, they're doing all this to legitimately bring about in time prophecy. And we have to have that in order for revelation to occur. So whether it be a man-made structure or not, they are trying to recreate these these scripture to make it happen. Yeah, because they want to bring about their end times where the earth yeah. is controlled by the Antichrist and it's their perfect reality in hopes that if they bring it about early enough and put enough control things in place, they can stop or prevent the second coming. Mm-hmm. which they can't prevent, but they think if they can control it themselves and when it happens, they can control the outcome. Wouldn't it just be like human beings to create something like the Hoover Dam and all these atrocities that happened during its construction to try to bring some of this shit to into existence? And I don't know that. And I really have never read into the Quran, but that is that is scary or eerily similar to what you see at some of these places, the shell shape and interdimensional portals. It's literally mentioning Gog and Magog as people, which the Bible talks about Gog and Magog. And 
I think in reality, they're actually kind of like honoring these beings or entities at these places, which is why they are so ornate in their decoration. And they took so much time to put this star map down and it's, all of the, the golden statue. And... It's it's almost as if they're rolling out the red carpet. They want the, yeah, the gateway yeah. which they come out of to be ornate mm-hmm. and grand to try and appeal to them to be, show that, like, we're your subservience. Please don't murder us. That's yes, essentially what it comes down just, to. I was just going to say that. They're, they're trying to make it so pretty and beautiful and... Uh, if you walk into any church, a Christian church, they're not ugly inside. They have beautiful tapestries and and pews and everything looks very nice. And it's because it's the house of God. And it's the same thing for them. They're trying to make these altars, if you will, beautiful and grand and magnificent in scale and structure. And I think that it it all plays a part in it. And if you look at some of the memorials I've talked about before, like the where they um, put a memorial where the Twin Towers fell, it's beautiful and very serene. And they have a little fountain that's trickling and lights and all this black obsidian everywhere. And, um, you know, I think that in a way water could be used also for scrying which is when you look into a reflective surface, whether it be a mirror, glass, water. And uh, back in the day, occultists would use water in lieu of a mirror or any other type of reflective surface to do scrying practices. So when I look at the Hoover Dam, it it's water. And like you said, it's spiritual in nature, but there's it's surrounded by all this occultism and i feel like it's just a big scrying portal where they're allowing things from within to come out to play and water plays that role of a a cleansing element like you're baptized in water that's the water that the archangel has dominion over and it's it shows god's promise and god's plan and a lot of things around that that symbology by damning it you're taking away the ability for that natural element to cleanse away the dark energy that it's flowing through. It could dissipate. It could mm-hmm. remove it. It's like dropping uh, a, a drop of ink in an Olympic-sized swimming pool. It's going to disperse very quickly. But if you mm-hmm. are damming that up and building it up over time, eventually the swimming pool is going to be jet black. And that's what I think is almost happening with this. It's quite interesting that I think the biggest giveaway is still Hollywood. If Hollywood has any of this symbolism going on and they're throwing it in everyone's face and not expecting them to see it, there's something to it. Mm -hmm. The Transformers film where they're Sector 7, they hold like a secret base within Hoover Dam for its energy output and that's where they they keep Megatron there, which is uh, symbolism for a Nephilim, a giant, a fallen one. What you're about to see is totally classified. Dear God, what is this? We think when he made his approach over the North Pole, our gravitational field screwed up his telemetry. He crashed in the ice probably a few thousand years ago. We shipped him here to this facility in 1934. Call him NB-1. Well, sir, I don't mean to correct you on everything you think you know, but I mean, that's Megatron. 
He's the leader of the Decepticons. He's been in cryostasis since 1935. Your great-great-grandfather made one of the greatest discoveries in the history of mankind. Fact is, you're looking at the source of the modern age. Microchip, lasers, space flight cars, all reverse engineered by studying him. Are we talking about an invasion? We intercepted the message from your special ops team. These things can be hurt by our weapons, and now they know it. That's why the virus shut us down, so we can't coordinate against their next attack. Which I would bet my ridiculous government salary is coming. Soon. And it's just they in keep him in the Hoover Dam. They keep him in the Hoover Dam. Stop! See, I didn't even look into cinema. And I'm like the person who always looks into <laughs> cinema. And I didn't even think about doing that. Like, when has the Hoover Dam been featured in a movie? Fuck me. Transformers? Really? Damn. And ironically, so, <laughs> Megatron fell to Earth in that film like a fallen angel. Was oh, collected please. was collected by the um the scientists and the people that discovered him and taken to America. He was unconscious, um, not alive, air quotes, and they put him in the dam trying to revive him via the electricity there. No way. That is retorted. I can't even like they literally put stuff like this in our fucking faces. That's why I do. So you have your own version of it called Conspiracy Theater 3000, I believe. That is correct, yes. And then I do the breakdown shakedown because it's so easy to pass things off as, as being just a part of a movie. And there's so much more to it. Speaking of, we actually went through one of your favorite films recently. Shut up. Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. You didn't. We did. We're releasing this for um, Thanksgiving. And <gasps> the, the stuff that's in that, which I thought was just a wholesome family comedy, blows your mind. No, please don't tell me. You're going to have to wait. I love that movie. It it's amazing. I it's John Candy. Love- you cannot pass it up. Yes, but, I know. But, but to the point... If it's in cinema, that tells me that they're putting it in the collective consciousness without actually telling people. It's that revelation of the method. Hey, yep, we really yep, do yep, have yep. a uh, a deceased Nephilim in the depths of this place and we're trying to harness the energy to wake it up or we're using this as a portal, as staging ground. Wow, fuck me. Who joined you for that episode? Uh, it was just Bob and Ryan for that one. So just the regular. Oh, but Ryan what, did. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. Ryan's our new co-host. Um, Andy, unfortunately, needs to go away and do some of his own things. So Ryan's our new co-host, but we are looking at having guests for one-off, like guest shows in the future. Oh, please let me do it. I'm so excited. I want to do, you know, it's funny because Ryan and I, have done so many episodes together and I always sometimes feel a little bit intimidated by him because he is just very direct and straightforward (laughs) kind of guy. He's a very straight shooter. And um, I always try to bring my a game. So whatever movie that you pick, I'm going to try to impress everyone and come up with some really cool stuff for whatever the selection is. 
I actually have started considering for the breakdown shakedown doing shows too. Yeah, I've got I've had the same opinion that maybe we should do like one-off episodes of things as well. Cuz there's a, yeah, lot of, like, a lot of there's TV random. series in general which have a lot in it, but generally you find it might be one or two episodes that's just filled to the brim with stuff. Yeah. Yeah, you remember themselves. when uh we did The Witcher and it was hard because there's so much of it. There's hours and hours and hours of The Witcher. Two fucking seasons worth of The Witcher. But if you picked a show and did like five episodes out of it, it could be easier to do. So I've been thinking about doing some stuff like that, but we're kind of side tangenting. Sorry. (laughs) But (laughs) I say all that to say I cannot believe that they put that in Transformers about Hoover Dam. That means it's significant. I'm telling you, that means it's significant. Did we cover, do you feel like we covered everything pretty much? I got to the end of my notes here. Yeah, I think we have. It's. I think we've definitely got to the crux of it, that it's more than just a place to harness electricity for the American electricity grid. There's more Mm -hmm. to it. There's First Nations significance and spirituality around the areas. There's significance in the architecture and the symbology that we see in it. And there's even significance in what you would consider to be the spiritual war, which a lot of Christians, Muslims, Hebrews would associate with this, that potentially it's being used, and I always throw out potentially because we don't know for sure. We can look at what data we found and what information, and we can form our own hypothesis, but it's heavily Mm -hmm. indicating it's being used to harvest energy to bring about something. And I think that in collaboration with a second dam, whether that's CERN or another physical hydroelectric dam somewhere in the world, according to at least the Islamic scriptures, it's a place where it's an energy port or a vortex to allow something to come through. And if they're manifesting that that themselves to bring about their own end times under their own terms, um, it's not a good thing because we're allowing these psychotic people who are bastard sons of royalty to go around and LARP as architects to bring around end times. It's quite, quite significant. I agree more with you. It's like, what are they bringing about? We can't be sure, but they seem to be trying to bring about something. And wouldn't it just be so that uh, in Genesis, God wiped out the the wicked ones with water and they're like, payback, bitch. And they're trying to to come back. Yeah, it's like no, dude. The the Hoover Dam is not your your. It, it's minuscule. I mean, what are you gonna unless they paired it with some shit like CERN and they're really trying to open some portals and shit? Now that now that's gonna be another ball game. But I agree with you completely. I don't know what exactly the function is for, um, spiritually, but I think that it does serve some type of of function um what have you been doing what are what are you up to tell us more about what's going on with your missing the point podcast um just a lot of guest appearances at the moment lately of trying to put away a lot of information to record over the coming christmas holidays to get some of my own um, original content out a lot of work with conspiracy theater 3000 um like i said we've just put together a episode for thanksgiving which is coming out this month um we're doing a Christmas special. We've got some ideas of some more themed episodes for next year. Um, a lot of that is also considering having guests to come on with their own film that we pick apart with them. Um, so definitely you're someone would have to have on. Naturally, I'm just thinking the burbs for you because you love the burbs. I love the burbs. I love um, the burbs. 
yeah, just looking at things a lot deeper. Um, going down those scriptural routes, trying to understand the faith for myself and see how that connects to the spiritual war. Even if what I believe is is not true, the the psychos that run this world seem to believe in it on their side. So it's at least <laughs> worth noting. Yes. Just going through the motions, there's just too much to look at and too much time to invest in. I'm trying to balance that life and podcast equation at the moment and no trying to get shit. to work. I feel that times 10. But for the first time listener who is just uh, meeting you, Drew, where can they find your Missing the Point podcast? Yeah, I'm Drew from your Missing the Point podcast, M-I-S-S-E-N. Find me on all the usual podcatchers. I'm on Twitter and Instagram. Um, you can reach out to me there. If you'd like to email me, it's drewmisson at drewmisson88 at gmail.com. Um, let's have a conversation. I'm, I really want to get back into conspiracy chit chats where my listeners jump on and talk about one of their favorite conspiracies. I find that's really beneficial. Sometimes we get stuck in the motion of just talking about our own things and not knowing what the listeners are actually into. So if you're one of my listeners or you're hearing me on here and you want to talk about something, hit me up and let's make it happen. Awesome. Thank you so much for indulging my every whim (laughs) and uh, helping me out looking into this topic. I really do appreciate it. And for the listeners, thank you all so much. And we will catch you on the next one. See you guys. And so Boulder Dam stands today, a modern colossus shouldering the rock-ribbed walls of Black Canyon, stemming and controlling the floods, and bending the will of a hitherto ungovernable stream, the Colorado River, to perform the fruitful tasks of a civilization rapidly invading the limits of its last frontier. That was Hoover Damned. What do you guys think? Did we dig deep enough? Did you already know some of these theories? Or do you have one we didn't cover? Let us know. Contact either Julia or myself and let us know how we went on this episode. Feedback is so important, guys. Let's just know if the content we're putting out is hitting the mark. Remember, if you have a conspiracy that you'd like to share with me, come join me on the show for a conspiracy chit chat. Let's have a conversation. And on that note, I'll be signing off. Catch you all next time. Hey everybody, it's closing time. You don't gotta go home, but you can't stay here.